Hey, everybody. Welcome to Friends and Recovery Podcast.com. I am the podfather, Mike Miles, and I'm here today with Jersey Egg Guys in Studio G. How's everything going, podfather, up there? Very good. Very good. Nice yeah. uh, it's fall day, and uh, going to get a nice show going today. I'm looking forward Absolutely. to Absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to give a quick uh, uh, teaser, I guess, that we are uh, we have Eric H. today. He's a He's a grateful recovering alcoholic, and we're going to bring him on in a minute. He's also a police officer out in Minnesota, and we're going to get to learn more about him. Um, but real quick, guys, if you want to give us a call, um, have any questions for the Podfather, or, or want to ask him about what's back there in his office and all, on those great plaques there, you can call us at 617-379-1163, or call us at helpinfriendsandrecoverypodcast.com. That's help in help at friendsinrecoverypodcast.com. And Podfather, just a reminder to all our friends in recovery, uh, we have the 12-step uh, online meetings going on right now every day, seven days a week, um, noon and 7 p.m. So uh, please check that out. Just go to our one of our Facebook pages. Just, just uh, go to Facebook um, and Google Friends in Recovery, and we should pop up. So, so Podfather, you're up there in your office. How, how's things going today? How's the life of the Podfather? Well, the podfather is busy today. Monday and Tuesday are my busy days. I work uh, at a facility called Crossroads up in Salem, New Hampshire, and it's an IOP um, facility. We do a lot of uh, group group therapy at night. Um, I run two groups. I run one uh, Monday night from 5.30 until 7.30, and same on Tuesday night. Tuesday night, though, we, uh, we break it up. We have a step meeting, an uh, Alcoholics Anonymous 12-step meeting, from nice. five thirty to six thirty, and uh, yeah, we get about between ten and seventeen clients that come uh, weekly. So it's nice, good. good, 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 good. Well, how about you? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm smoking a cigar here in G Studio G. Um, yeah. I have some uh, big plans for Studio G. I might be building a little studio um, yeah. because I, if if you guys seen where I was at, it was, it's, it's a garage. Um, but, uh, I have this beautiful backing here to make it look like I'm not in a garage, but, uh, but you know, with COVID coming on and kicking up again, Podfather, um, we're going to, we're going to be working more and more from home me anyways. So I, I don't have, a, my office, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you, you're lucky you have an office and I don't have a really big house where I can, you know, but you know what, that's part of recovery and that's part of, you know, going with the flow and everything isn't, always the same all the time you know and uh you know exactly we gotta adjust and and speaking of adjusting um we have a very good adjuster here that's gonna come on our show eric h he um he is uh he's a, re uh, a recovering alcoholic and he is um he is a police officer he's also alumni of hazelton their 12-step program he's been clean for 13 plus years um, he's been a police officer for 20 plus years and Eric, welcome to the show. Welcome, Eric. Thank, uh, uh, thanks guys. Welcome. Um, yes, it's, uh, it's great to be on. <clears throat> it doesn't seem like we just did this guys. Yeah, <laughs> right. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> all that, all that experience that we have that we've, we've been so many podcasts, but Eric, so Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I mean, obviously, you're on this show for a reason. Uh, you know, this isn't about uh, butterflies and uh, pancakes. So, <laughs> sure, yeah, I've I, I've, uh, I've I've known you, Ed, for for a few years now. Um, and and like the bio said, I'm a I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic. 
Um, you know, and I really attribute uh, my career um, and and everything, family, wife, everything that's more important than 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 a career, maybe um, to my recovery. Like I, I obviously I wouldn't be here uh, today on this podcast, or I probably wouldn't even be around if it wasn't for um, recovery from alcoholism. Amen to that. Amen to that. <laughs> really nice. Uh, it's nice hearing you say that. You know, I um. I've been retired five and a half years from the uh, Lowell Police Department. I worked patrol for 28, and for the last eight years, I was the EAP. Um, and I was I was sober five years into my career. I got sober, and uh, you know I was lucky to make a 35 year career. You know the 30 years I uh, I finished, uh, you know being sober, uh, it, it was just a testament as to um, you know what was in store for me. And, and helping other cops get sober. When I got sober, Eric, there was there wasn't a lot of alternatives. Uh, you know, you, you, there weren't meetings, there weren't badge meetings, there weren't a lot of things. But um, I did find a, um, I did find some um, some help down in Boston. Boston PD had a um, had mm. a program run by a, a guy named Eddie Donovan, and I yeah. did find that. How about you, Eric? When you um, when you decided to get sober, you'd, you'd been on the force for several years. Um, was it was it something you decided on your own? Were you forced into doing it or asked to do it? No, that's uh, that's interesting. I I wouldn't say I was forced. You know, it was more like, um, you know, uh, like you, Podfather. Mine, I would say five to seven years in, um, but it was getting to the point where I needed to drink more and more all the time. So I, my career would have ended. You know, and, and it seems like it, it can just take just a tailspin and it's over with in a blink. Um, right. So um, I would say, God, I don't I don't want to say force, but yeah, kind of. Um, I, I, I think I, I we had talked about this before, but I just I it, once all of the facts were laid out in front of me um, by my wife and, and, a, and a counselor, it was like it hit me that I was just tired of being an alcoholic anymore i just i couldn't i didn't have the energy to even do it anymore something had to change um, a, lot of, a lot of work a lot of work uh, staying yep. stay anesthetized you know 12 hours yeah no oh. absolutely absolutely that's it, it it's it's your whole life um yeah, but life. but to to touch on the the resources I, I tell you what and i think it is maybe different than than you know when when you went through it um the the getting sober part and what i say by different now is is um you know, we can all complain about our employers, right? But in Minneapolis, they're really good about um, helping their employees get better because really any employer, I mean, what's the goal as a healthy employee, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's a productive employee. Mm -hmm. Um, And and kind of what else is, is involved in that is that it seems like we have a group of people um, I'll just say in Minnesota, in the Twin Cities area, because I've, I've, I've worked with, with uh, cops from other agencies. It's like there's enough of us now right. um, that are willing to tell our stories. And then it, I think, you know, alcoholism is such a disease that, that it gets you alone, right? And, and, and you're never, you're never going to get better if you're alone or if you think that, that you're the only one going through it. So the more people we have talking about it and are willing to share their stories, um, the better it's getting for everyone. You know? yeah, 
Eric, I got, I got a question. Um, when you first started, when you first got so of course, you went to a real, a world-renowned program mm-hmm. Hazleton. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the literature, I mean, that, that's just the word. You say Hazleton and all you think mm-hmm. is recovery, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Did you, uh, did you go to open meetings, like AA meetings, uh, you know, where you, people might have known who you were or what you did? Or did you just go to specific meetings where you were isolated as far as, you uh, you know, incognito, nobody actually knew that you were a cop. Or did it matter to you? Uh, you know, what? At, at, at first, I, I wasn't as open about it, only because um, I guess I, I didn't know what to expect. Sure. But it was funny how at, at treatment, when people are getting sober, it's like the last thing they, they care about is what you did right. outside of the, the, the treatment realm. Um, you know, and but but since I've I've kind of uh, I would say it was a mix of where I was more just anonymous, and then there were others where I went to meetings um, with other people. You know, and I, I'll say I'll say it was it was police and fire some of the meetings I went to. Um, so, boy, I, something that kind of helped me, and I've, I've talked about this before, is that. It's almost sometimes if you're if you're in a larger group, you don't focus just on oh how did this affect me because of who I am. It was it helped me just look at it like hey I'm an I'm an alcoholic addict just like anybody else, mm-hmm. right? It's so it's so true and it's funny how how the mm-hmm. career the job you know being a police officer mm-hmm. um, in the beginning it's what we think about but then when we start getting well it's the last thing we're thinking of. we're just yeah. you know, we're just exactly. regular people you know right exactly and it was like I almost wanted to use it as a convenient excuse you know and that I think I, I would enable myself like you know when I look back now earlier on I'd say oh well I'm 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 so much different I have to see things that are different than others. So therefore, that's why I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hiding in my basement drinking a bottle of vodka, mm-hmm. you know. Right. But once you start to see, no, this is a disease, and that's right. why I'm drinking that bottle of vodka. I like what you said, uh, um, Eric. Uh, convenient excuse. You want to elaborate? <laughs> you want to elaborate? Uh, make what a, what a convenient excuse is? I mean, we know them all, but uh, but you know, wh- where were you in your head at that point? You know, a, a convenient excuse. Um, sitting in the basement or whatever it is where I was in my head is that I was, I was different. I wasn't like any of the alcoholics or addicts that I saw every day on the mm-hmm. job. Right. I had to be different than that because I had put them in a different, them in a different category, mm-hmm. almost like, like those people, right. Mm-hmm. They, yes. they can't, they can't get there. Um, wait a minute, I can swear on this, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, they can't we get there. Should- <laughs> yeah, they can't yeah. get their s together right you could say you could say shit they say okay no perfect <laughs> so hey you know you know that group can't get their shit together but you know i'm somehow different so i would kind of like make the rules different for myself so if i sat if i sat in the basement and was on a weekend bender it's well because i i need to deal with what i see you know i got to get my head right somehow that was getting my head right um and, and even to go back a little further, it was like the rules kept changing for me. And that's kind of what I'm talking about, the convenient excuses. Like, I just drink, you know, I just drink beers. That's all cops do this, right? And then I had to change those rules because beer wasn't doing it for me. And I was drinking vodka, you know. And so it was like, it was basically just justifying it. But I could mm-hmm. still, I could still convince myself that I wasn't somehow an alcoholic, mm-hmm. right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we we can convince ourselves that we're unique. We're in a unique position. Well, you know, I can even see police officers, Podfile, like you said, in unique position. Um, I'm not like those people. We help those people out. And, yep. and being two police officers on the panel here, um, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, like a that could be a huge excuse, you know, uh, and you know, I can't, I'm not like those people because I have a job. I have a badge. I have a gun. Um, I'm not those people. And Podfather, uh, what's, what's your, what's your take on that? Yeah. Well, you know, I, reality hit me in the head uh, when I was in a meeting and I saw people that uh, men that were living outside um, basically homeless uh, they chose not to live in a shelter because it was a dry shelter and they were in meetings and they were having coffee and some of them were speaking. And I had seen them when, when I was on patrol, um, I, I'd see them on Sundays all huddled in an alley, splitting a bottle of port wine or, or something or Listerine. I mean, I saw people drinking stuff that, you know, you, we would never even think of drinking. So I always didn't think I was that bad, you know, and with me, it was also drugs too. Drugs played a big part of me getting help. Um, cocaine, you know, and, and other drugs, but, um, you know, it, it just, I, booze just wasn't doing it for me enough. I, I needed more. I needed to go to a, a, a higher plane, so to speak. But, um, I heard a woman, I heard a woman from the podium speaking one night and, uh, she told my story and she was about 70 years old and everything she said, I could relate to. It was amazing. You know, just how she was brought up, um, when she drank, um, how she hit it. She had a job. She had. She was an executive for, a, for, for a big firm, and um, people came to her, and she was outgoing, and she was generous, and she was a people pleaser, and that was me. You know, she told my story, but we didn't look anything alike. You know, mm. and then my, I had a great sponsor too, and I still do. I have the same sponsor, but my sponsor then, well, we were very. He was very active with me, you know, and and uh, he opened my eyes a lot to to exactly who I was, why I was sitting in those hall- halls, and if I wanted to keep the sobriety that I got, because once I got 30, 60, 90 days, I, I was feeling so much better than I had been feeling. My life, my personal life wasn't good at all. Eric, mm-hmm. I don't know how much you lost or if you almost lost your job. I mean, I was close. They, uh, I was suspended for 17 months. I got back pay. I ended up getting all that back, but that suspension for 17 months and not knowing if I was going to be able to put a uniform back on again really concerned me in the beginning. But as I continued with my sobriety, I didn't really care. I was just so happy mm-hmm. that I was finally me. I had me back again, you know? And that's so true, yeah. getting, getting you back. And Eric, we're going to take a quick break here. I, we're gonna, I want to answer to that question if you can. And this uh, grateful recovering alcoholic, I want to I know a little bit about that. Like people are probably listening saying, how can I be grateful? People who are, you know, just, just getting to this. How can he, this guy be grateful? How can this guy be, you know, happy? You know what I mean? And I want you to touch a little bit about that and, and you know, the, all, the, all the good stuff in recovery. So um, Podfather, you want to take us out real quick? Sure. This is friendsrecoverypodcast.com. We'll be right back. You're first, first to respond, first to put others' lives before your own. And in an emergency, you need a network that puts you first, that connects you to technology, to each other, and to other agencies. Built with and for first responders. FirstNet, the only congressionally authorized wireless network for first responders. Because putting you first is our job. 
Since 1992, Genesis House has been helping real people heal from addiction on their private recovery campus in beautiful Palm Beach County, Florida. Their family-owned program is accredited by the Joint Commission and offers detox and dual diagnosis treatment in a comfortable and confidential setting. At Genesis House, they focus on treating the underlying causes of addiction. Their comprehensive approach includes psychiatric care, individual and small group therapy, trauma healing techniques, and holistic care including yoga, massage, and animal-assisted therapy. After treatment, their clients enjoy the lifelong support of a nationwide network of Genesis House alumni. Call Genesis House today at 1-800-737-0933 to speak with someone who understands. Visit them on the web at www.genesishouse.net. It's time to start your journey to a long and successful recovery. Welcome back to the Friends in Recovery Addiction Recovery Podcast. We want to thank our sponsor, Genesis House, for supporting this show, along with individuals in recovery and the people that love them. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. FriendsInRecoveryPodcast.com. I am the Podfather, and I'm here with... Jersey Egg Guys in Studio G. Where are you at, Podfather? What's studio? I'm in, I'm in Studio C in uh, Chelmsford, Massachusetts. Studio and, um, C. Yeah, so this is Studio C. Looks good. I should come up there and record with you again. Yeah, Podfather. Yeah. You know, I had fun in those episodes. If you guys look back a couple episodes that we did, um, we did one episode ATC. So you won't you just tune over to the other channel. But we also did FIR from the car. How how much fun was that? That was awesome. That was cool, right, Eric? Uh, when we come, uh, when when we come up to um, uh, Minnesota, we're going to do FIR from the car. I'm going to bring Podfather up with you, with yeah. us. So we're going to do FIR from the car. But real quick, I want to talk about Sober Pod, um, guys. Sober Pod, and uh, you know those guys love us. I, the the last show I listened to, they really, really uh, went, gave us a good plug. Friends in recovery. They even plug our um, our. 12 step meetings, pod father. He, he, they, I mean, you listen, you, you know, you hear, you hear what, what Carl talks about. And, it's a great uh, show. Yeah, it is a great show. So people, yeah. Yeah. On top of, on top of the tattoo that I have right. and my love letters to Carl yeah, and yeah. that pod father thinks, uh, you know, yeah, whatever, yeah. but, <laughs> but it is a good show. Carl, Ellen, Steve and Chelsea, um, they, they do a really, really good show. So turn your dial a little to the right, never to the left, always to the right. Um, and <laughs> what was that? <laughs> and uh, and make sure you listen to Sober Pod, guys. And um, we have Eric H. from uh, uh, Minneapolis Police Department. He's a re grateful recovering alcoholic. And before the break, Eric, uh, Podfather asked if, did you lose anything? Did you gain anything back? What, what was like the process that you went through before, I mean, after, you know, after you got into recovery and this grateful alcoholic stuff, people might be scratching their head saying, how can somebody be grateful by giving up their booze, you know? All right. We'll, we'll start with, uh, you know, did, did I lose anything? I was able to um, take a medical leave. Um, so, but, but, you know, how honest was I, you know, with, with my, with my psychologist, I'll just, uh, we'll just kind of leave it at that. I, I sure as heck wasn't ready to admit I was an alcoholic, but it was getting to the point where I would have been up to drinking on duty. And I wasn't, I just wasn't going to do that because of the consequences involved. Um, more out of fear than anything. Mm -hmm. um, so I went on a medical leave, but it, I mean, as I almost fell over when I was listening to the podfather, because my story is so much the same. So then I get sober and then, I, I mean, I didn't know I had been gone for a couple of years on a medical leave and I just, I didn't know if I was going to be able to go back. 
But in the time that I got sober, I, I got a job just kind of in a warehouse doing some light industrial stuff. Mm. And I was to the point where if I can't go back, it doesn't matter because my life had changed so much. And that's what the podfather was talking about. It's, it's, it's crazy how much you can relate to other people yeah. when you're honest about your addiction. So to the point that, so I had to kind of go through the whole battery of tests again. And, and I remember when I did my psychological again, obviously, well, I'd never been this honest before, <laughs> and, <laughs> but I remember wanting to present as honestly as I could. And, and not that I was dishonest before, but I think we tend to try to present in the best light, right. When we're trying to get a job, I wanted almost if, if, if I, I wasn't right or if this job wasn't right for me i wanted a psychologist to tell me that because mm -hmm. then right if it's not right for me that's mm -hmm. just another way that i can slip back into mm -hmm. using so mm -hmm. it, it, it's just like i say it's 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 crazy when you listen to other alcoholics addicts you know if, if i could if i could sum treatment up it's mm -hmm. basically like you get to relate to other people and it gets you away from how your addiction's different and how it's okay for you, right? All of this stuff is right in your face and that, and you need that to get better. So. Boy, that's a uh, true words were never spoken. You know, if anybody out there that's uh, either new or they're just coming around and they just happen to stumble upon, upon this podcast, you know, I really believe if I can do it, anybody can do it because mm -hmm. I was 32 years old. I was in the prime I had won awards. I, I, I had done, you know, I, I was being looked at as a really viable, you know, good cop, you know, and, and that's all I ever wanted to be since I was a kid, you know, it was, it was a policeman. And, and uh, you know, I, I was pleased with who I was when I was at work or when people were, you know, telling me or giving me an award. You know, I felt, well, I was humble about it, but I, I, I was inside. I was going a hundred miles an hour, but then, you know, when I was by myself, I, I would be disgusted with myself. I, I just, I had no, I couldn't even look in the mirror sometimes, you know, I mean, I, I, my uniform was always neat as a pin. I was in the army. So I always had that. And, but what was going on in my head was awful. But when I got sober, even though I didn't have a uniform, my name had been in the paper. Cause I live in a, it's a big city, but it's kind of a small city. You know, they have a local <laughs> newspaper. People knew that I, you know, I had a problem, you know, and it was in the paper many times, the local newspaper, but, I didn't care. I was so happy to, to just to, to, to get up in the morning and, and do my, you know, get on my knees, ask for help, go to a meeting. I was going to two meetings a day back then because I had nothing but time. I did have a part-time job working for a carpenter, but um, you know, it's just, um, I was in a good spot. And just real quick, that psychological test, mm -hmm. I had to take one before I went back as well. And the same thing, Eric, just what you said, I was, um, I was, I was diligently honest. I, I wanted to make sure I said the right <laughs> yep. thing because I figured, hey, maybe I wasn't cut out to do this as much as <laughs> That's I exactly, that was my thinking. Like, and, and I don't, I don't want to get back into that trap if this isn't for me. Yeah. Well, can I ask you guys a question about that? Um, do you think that might've been a reservation that uh, you can go back out and drink again because you guys are so wrapped up in your career? You were so... Um, okay with, you know, with maybe somebody telling me not this, not, not, this is not my career, that that might've been a reservation to go back to drink. Uh, for, for me, no. I mean, I, I just remember vividly for me, no, because it was, I had never felt so free 
in my life. Okay. Right. Because once I was free from that addiction, I didn't want anything to do with having to go back to that owning me. Mm-hmm. So I, I can say for me, no, I just, I was just, I'd never, and maybe I was thinking so clearly and I, I still am, but I just remember that. Same here. I am. Um, I can remember I put on a, I put on some weight, considerable weight, probably 15, 20 pounds. And I knew I was going back to work and, 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 um, I would walk every night. Um, I'd walk three miles, walk, jog, you know I mean? I was doing, I was, and I was dieting and everything. And my wife worked during the day and she'd have to pick up our son who was a, a, in a daycare. And I knew this time of the year, it was, it was getting dark early. And I was so excited about making dinner and when they would come home and, you know, and I thought when I go back to work, I worked early nights. I said, you know, four to 12, I'm not going to be able to do this, you know, but never did I think about, well, if I don't go back to being a cop, then he opens the door to drink it. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate. I have 34 years of continued sobriety, which I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying there's not a lot of people I know that, that can say that. You know, you have 13 years. Ed has almost 30 years or 30 years. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're, we're, a, we're a unique group. And as you know, because we've been in the halls, we've, we've, we've listened, you know, and we've seen tragedies and stuff. But I, I've always wanted just to maintain that sobriety. And I did. You know, they say, will you go to any lengths to get sober? Are you willing to go to any lengths? Well, I think we all were. And I think we all did. And that's why we're sitting here today doing what we're doing to, to help people. I think we still do actually, Podfather. We still do go today in lengths. I mean, you know, we're we're here we're here in the middle of the day recording a podcast. I you know, I had to grab Eric off the you know, off of his training, whatever he was doing to do this. So we're going to any lengths. We don't have to do this. This like, you know, Podfather, you always say we don't get paid for doing this. This is just something that we do out of our heart. Same thing with Eric. Eric, you know, don't expect a check. Nothing's coming. Um, <laughs> we don't have maybe a, maybe a t-shirt. Maybe yeah, a, t-shirt. t-shirt, a t-shirt, but that's about it. But that, this is, this is the part that I want, that I wanted. I know the answer to, but the grateful alcoholic. Talk about that grateful recovering alcohol because there might be some people that don't understand that just yet newly into recovery. Us old timers know what it is. Yes, Eric, you are an old timer. Um, anything past <laughs> ten years, I consider old timer. But uh, you know, but doesn't mean that we can't learn every day. But what's this grateful stuff? Um, you know, explain that a little bit. Yeah. So so I'll go back to when when I was in treatment. Every every evening, seven o'clock, we'd have a, a speaker would come in, and same thing like this. They would come back on their own time. Right. And they were the happiest people and to the point where I'd get pissed off at first. Like, what, <laughs> what are they so happy about? And a couple of times it was um, um, it was both times I, that I really remember were, were male speakers, you know, really put together, you know, had everything going for them, um, some good continued sobriety. And they would say, I'm this I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic. And I remember. It angered me like, what the, come on, you know, cause I'm still thinking, I'm still thinking not even like I've already now skipped over how bad my addiction was. And I'm still thinking like, I want to go back to that beginning part where it was great. You know, and you're, you're out at the bars and you're doing those sorts of things. I'm like, and you can't do that anymore. How are you grateful? Well, then, you know, time goes by and you get, and, and, and things start to, to look up in treatment. And then, um, I also lived in a, in a halfway house for a few months after. Um, And one day it hit me, I was walking home from a meeting and I had no reason to be, you know, here I'm in, I'm in Duluth, Minnesota. I'm thinking I've destroyed my whole life. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I'm happy. And it was like, I I just felt free and it hit Mm -hmm. me what grateful meant. It's because I have my life back. I have my freedom, the, Mm -hmm. the addiction, 
the 24 hours a day of how am I going to use was all gone. Like it was, it, you know, that to me was my spiritual experience and that's what I'm grateful for. And then I come to realize everything I have now is because of that sobriety. Freedom. You got freedom. Yeah, Talk it's a little just bit about freedom. freedom. Yeah. Talk it's, about freedom. It's a freedom from addiction. I mean, I was drinking, you know, nonstop. I mean, before, you know, before I got sober, I was to the point where I was get up in the morning. It was the first thing I had to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have to do that anymore. I didn't have to plan. I didn't have to, I mean, to, to addiction is basically lying and manipulation along mm -hmm. with addiction. I don't have to do any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I can just be Amen. myself. Oh. And I didn't, here it was a Saturday night and you know, I didn't live in the nicest, uh, the, I'm sorry, the halfway house wasn't what a uh, superficial, superficial person would say, oh, that's a great place to live. But yes. none of that mattered, you know? Because I was sober. I've, I, I've been in Duluth in the middle of the wintertime. It ain't a great place to be. <laughs> no. no. And it's the, all shit I, the shit I have on is made by Duluth, the, the, uh, the manufacturer. Yeah. Hey, you know what? It, 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 I heard it years ago, a grateful heart will never drink. And I used to hear people get up to the podium and say, hey, my name is Joe. I'm a grateful alcoholic. I'm Mary. I'm a grateful alcoholic. And, you know, I am... Uh, Today I'm the same. I am a grateful. Yes, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't change one thing about my life where I am today. And it's not perfect. I mean, I, I've had tragedies, deaths, yep. suicides. I, I mean, I went into this field. I, I got my education to, to be a therapist, so I'd have some credentials when I retired. And you know, I, I see a lot of sad stuff. I go to wakes. I just went to a client's wakes uh, Friday. He died by natural causes, but still. Mm -hmm. but, but I really do believe what I heard from the podium from people that had, they were on disability. Some of them, uh, one guy had had a stroke and he wheeled himself up to the, uh, to the podium and they brought the mic down to his lap. And he, and he said he was a, you know, a grateful recovering alcoholic. Mm. And, you know, it, it's, it's really amazing that it's almost like you're out of jail. You know, when you get your freedom back, you can make your own decisions. You can do what you want to do. You, you don't have to chase that, that, that booze mm -hmm. and drugs, you know, and you know, Eddie, you chase drugs for a while. Mm -hmm. That, that is the heart. That's the most horrible place to be. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it just takes its toll. Mm -hmm. Eric, we have to close here in a couple of minutes, sure. but um, just uh, anybody out there, any advice, uh, especially your fellow uh, brothers and sisters out there and, and the everyday alcoholic, anything for, for, for them um, before, we, before you close? Is there anything that you, you want to add to what you said? Because it was all amazing stuff that you just spoke about. But. Well, yeah, you, you know, it's the, the whole thing is, is if, you, if you're starting to think there might be an issue, you know, find someone to talk to. And there's enough of us out there that'll talk, right? And, and, and you don't even have to say so much at first, but just listen to other people's stories because you'll start to, you'll start to be able to relate. And I keep using that term, but it's the, it's the same idea with treatment. Treatment isn't some, oh no, what, you know, we all have this idea of it. Mm. It's, it's a place where you can finally not feel alone anymore. And you can hear how much similar people are to you and that you can have what they have too, if you're willing to work for it. So true. Eric, Eric H from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Thank you so, so much. Look for Eric Absolutely. on another show to turn it dial mm -hmm. to the right again. Look for the other show. He'll be on, he'll be on soon, but um, Podfather, 
Eric, uh, what, did, what did you think of, of him? Uh, yeah, I mean, I amazing, right? I mean, he's, he's you in the younger version from what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Probably better looking, too, you know? <laughs> no, 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 let's not go that far. But, no, you know, Eddie, yeah, great guest. Um, you know, it's so good. I mean, we, we speak the language, you know? It's, it's um, you know, when I was in the Army, I was over in Germany, and, and when I first got there, you know, um, it was difficult because it was a whole different country. And, you know, unless you, unless you stayed within your little, little confined, um, you know, you, which we, we didn't want to do. We went out and about and then I learned to understand a little German and then I learned to speak a little German. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was communicating. I, it was, it was, it was a lot better. And it's the same thing with being sober. I didn't know why I couldn't put down booze and drugs. I didn't know why I was dumping it down the, sink at three in the morning and then buying it at 10 in the morning. You know, I didn't know why I was throwing drugs out the window and then going back looking for them because mm -hmm. I thought it was out of my mind. I, yeah. I didn't know anything about addiction, but when you do find a way out and, and you, you follow that path and then all of a sudden you get your freedom back and you get your mind back threefold disease, mental, physical, spiritual mm -hmm. addiction. It's a threefold disease disease. Yeah. And when you get your physical being back and your mental being back, but when you get your spiritual, and I'm not talking religion, I'm talking that soul that we all have. When that is at peace, and you 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 can look in the mirror, and you kind of like the person that's there. You know you're not doing bad things. You're not disappointing. You're not lying. You're not stealing, because that's not what you wanted to do in the first place. But that's what addiction does to you. So mm -hmm. yeah, and that's so true, Podfather. Just you know, I never thought of it that way. I've been doing this for not 30 years. I'm 26 years, like, uh, but um, you know, I just. Uh, I never thought of it that way. You know, that's finally, you can accept things at that point. You can, you can go into, um, into a different mode at that point. And, and life is, life is much, much better to accept everything at that point. So yeah. Podfather, another great show. Great Thank show. you so great much. Guest. Yep. Absolutely. Eric was great. And uh, Eric was. look forward to having him on the show again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Podfather. Yep. Friends of recovery podcast.com. Stay sober, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>